I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So we're at the end of the story. Last time we talked about Herod, Pilate, and their their breakfast and their wicked ways, and how they almost kind of passively allow Jesus to be crucified. Um, but guess what? What? Do you know? I don't know if you know this, but Jesus resurrects. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty big piece of the story. Yeah, he that, comes back. Uh, and I have always just loved this. Is just because we read it as a story and. And we're trying to kind of emphasize that part of it. There are like, there's at least one hole in the story that I see, which is that nobody gives us any details about what Jesus wears. Oh, yeah. We do get a note. I can't remember if it's Luke or one of the other gospel writers who talks about the, the linens, like the grave linens being kind of tossed aside. So like whatever Jesus was buried in, he leaves in the grave. And uh, my my Easter morning post is sometimes that folded grave clothes are the best revenge (laughs) Um, because I, I think that's an interesting note that gets included. Right. uh, That makes it kind of emphasizes the physical nature of the resurrection. Yeah. The clothes that he was wearing. Yeah. But he had folded by the, I mean, I guess you could say that if God can like bring a body to life, then God could probably throw down a cloak. Or something. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> or it was something even more pedestrian, like where he just, he pulled somebody's robe off of a, a laundry line or something. Right. Um, but I've never heard an Easter message about, about that. Mm-hmm. So it's all you preachers out there. Answer these questions. Yes. <laughs> these are people's what pressing was questions. Jesus wearing <laughs> when he was walking around? Um, we're going to look at the, the Easter story from the lens of Mary Magdalene. Um, because we're trying to like zoom in on different people's stories, right? And her story is a part of this. I think a part of Mary's story is that we almost lose it because there's there's name confusion. Yeah, I feel like there's some whiplash as far as identifying who she is. Yes. Uh, have you ever had that? Your name is just Keaton. Was there a lot of Keatons in your in your class? No, it was always quite the spectacle if I ran across another Keaton. I've met a few in my <laughs> lifetime, but did it cause like an identity crisis? Where you're like, who am I if yes. I'm not the only Keaton? Well, it always caused a little bit of an ego check because it was always um, gentlemen who were a little bit confused that there could possibly be a female <laughs> named Keaton. Oh, okay. <laughs> just I fun for me. I haven't but, thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of Lauras. It's a pretty common name, but it wasn't really until I got here at Southbrook that there were other Lauras mm-hmm. and it, and it would, it would make me feel just a little less special. If, if there was another Laura. Yeah. yeah I want to um, be the only one. Yeah. Do you think of your name as being important? Like, do you think of it? Like if, if you suddenly decided to be called like Heather, I think it's super meaningful. Would that change your identity? You I think, think uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. It's a funny thing. There's something about your own name that sounds like sweet when other people say it. Yes. Or and like, even I feel like nicknames encapsulate identity too. Like my high school nickname is different from my college nickname. So it carries th- different yeah. 
memories with it as well. Do you know anything about your parents' choice of name? No, I think they, I mean, for how, like why my parents chose Keaton, they just always wanted to. All my siblings have super unique names. And so you'd think there'd be some pretty incredible backstory, but it's very much (laughs) so just, we wanted to name them. Well, maybe they just wanted that, like some originality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that there, my parents named me after another, a woman in their church who they just thought was really sweet and kind, (laughs) which I feel like I have not quite lived up to (laughs) name sometimes. I don't, I don't think she had like a sarcastic edge to her Mm. in the stories I hear about the Laura. Laura. Yeah. Yeah. I might've, I might've sullied the name, but it is meaningful to me for that. Right. Because that it tells something about who they imagined me Mm -hmm. to be. Right. Um, I bring, we bring that up because Mary does get kind of confused. Part of us not really knowing who she is is that there's a lot of Marys. Even in the resurrection narrative, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is also shows up in, on Sunday morning and is also a part of the story. Um, but there are also these women that Jesus encounters where we don't get even their names sometimes. So Mary has, I think, been kind of conflated into different stories So, you know, there's the story where the sinful woman washes Jesus's hair with her feet. Mm. And every once in a while, people insert Mary Magdalene into that story, even though she's not that. It might not be I think I did up until this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're learning on air. She didn't do the hair thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance, but we don't get a name. And we don't have any indication that she's a prostitute or a sinful woman. Uh, The only thing we know about her is that she is um, there's a reference to her having seven devils cast out of her. Uh, And so maybe you could like, there's a loose connection. You could say that that could have led to her being a sinful woman. But I uh, just recently learned that her, that surname, Mary of Magdala, there's a chance she had some wealth. Because one of the things we know about all the women who are mentioned by Luke, the reason they do get named is because they were women who, we're resourcing Jesus with their money. Okay. And so there's a chance that she's mentioned so many times as like a disciple of Jesus and has like being close to that inner circle. So there's a chance she's actually a woman of resources, um, which is kind of fascinating. I just think that's a different picture uh, than we have of her. Um, And I think this happens a lot of times with when there is that gap between what we know and what we wish we knew about somebody, we fill it in. Right. So one of the narratives that's been kind of filled in about her is that she was in love with Jesus. Yes. I've, I've seen that repeatedly as well. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch, I think we, have we talked about the Jesus Christ superstars? We've I talked th- about it, but I haven't I think seen we have, it. Yeah. So in the one with John Legend, this is played by Sarah Bareilles and she sings this beautiful song about trying to get him to love her the way she loves him and not knowing how to love him because it's just such a different category of love. Right. Um, but I think that is a thing we kind of fill in. And that's been the source of, I think even, I never saw it, but that last temptation of Jesus movie, mm, I think there's, I there's anything. a big kind of speculation there that, that she was, she was at least crushing on Jesus mm-hmm. and that he was crushing back on her. Um, so again, I think we just kind of fill that in. Yeah. Sounds complicated. Yeah, we just kind of fill that in because it's interesting to us to oh, like yeah. play with that idea. Right. Um, one of my favorite sort of like, imagining of Mary. It comes from this poet, Marie Howe, who, um, 
it's hard to explain the poem, but in the poem, she plays with that seven devils idea. And it's in the poem, it's as if she's making a list of the seven devils. And, but instead of it being like Mary's seven devils, it reads like a diary entry, like her listing her crimes mm. or her listing the things. So like one of them is, she's almost like talking about obsessive compulsive disorder. Like my first devil is that every time I touch my left hand to something, I had to also touch my right hand. And then she goes through this list of things that she thinks could be like devilish in her. Mm. One of them is not being able to receive love. And she like talks about how that's a devil in her. And the point of the poem, I may not be doing a great job of explaining it, but by the, by the end of it, you get this sense that any of us, if we sat down with a list could come up with seven devils. Things that are preventing us from yeah. freedom to yeah. receive love. And yeah. Yeah. And she kind of uses Mary Magdalene as kind of an entrance into this idea of, what are the, the demons, um, that if we could do away the, with this, this like weakness in us, we'd cast it out if we could. Uh, and I have, I've always just kind of appreciated that. Uh, you can Google it. Marie Howe is her name, H O W E. And I think I just usually look up seven devils and it gets me there. Uh, one thing we know about her, right. Of all this confusion and all this stuff. One thing we do know about her is that she's the first one to see the resurrected Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always said this about Easter morning, that the women bring the spice, that they are the ones who we see them at the cross. They're faithful. They watch till Jesus' last breath. But then they're also the ones who bring spices to like decorate his body or to like kind of help care for his body through the decomposing process. And so they bring all these spices. So they're there expecting to, to see him in his grave. And there is this moment of kind of confusion around Mary where she doesn't uh, recognize Jesus. Right. There's this moment where she thinks he's the gardener. Right. Luke tells us, uh, have you ever run into somebody and like, I always think it, maybe it's just as simple as like, she didn't expect to see him. I think so. It's out of context. So yeah. you make it them blend into whatever environment would make sense. Yeah. Sometimes I've, I remember one time being at an event and running into somebody from high school and just like, I didn't have any, expectation that I would see somebody from high school at this event, you know, right. and so, so you, your brain can't really connect the two things. Yeah. It's like, you have to switch gears. And so I wonder if it's just as simple as that. Uh, or if it's so, another explanation would be that he, you know, we know he still has his wounds, right? We have that story where he shows Thomas his wounds. So some part of his body is still his body, but there's this idea that in first Corinthians 15, that he's like a prototype for resurrection. That something about what we're seeing in the resurrected Jesus is something we will someday be a part of, which is resurrection and that your body will be your body, but new. So she didn't recognize him because there is something. Yeah. Maybe shifted. there's some, some essence or some reality about him uh, that was new and, and then they have this conversation where she wants to hold on to him and which makes a lot of sense to me, you know, whether she, whether she's in love with him or just so appreciative of him casting devils out of her, or I think she just appreciated that he saw her, that he loved her, he valued her. Um, and of course she'd want to hold on to that. So if you look at what we know about Mary and what we don't know, do you have any feel for what Mary would have for breakfast? I've been trying to process through what that could be. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's intentional and something that's pre present. She seems to witness a lot, even though she doesn't recognize Jesus at first. But um, what, what thoughts did you have? I, 
Maybe it's because I'm bouncing off of this idea that she she was a woman of means, maybe. But I think also your word that she she saw things, right? That she was attentive. Mm-hmm. That I could imagine if she does drink coffee or would drink coffee, that she would add cinnamon to it. Mm. Have you, do you ever do that? Do you yes. ever add a cinnamon stick to your coffee? Yep. Especially if I'm being a little bit slower that day. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe she would be the person who needed things to be special or who savored what she had. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like could, that. I could see her slowing down for, she would never be a pop tart person. And even if she did have a pop tart, she would definitely toast it and maybe even like add some extra cream cheese to it or she something. She took the time to appreciate yeah. what was in front of her. Yeah. Because I think she is, and maybe it's, maybe everybody named Mary is attentive, mm. right? Because you think we have the Mary, the mother of Jesus, who it talks about her treasuring all the things in her heart all the time. Uh, we have Mary who at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, she's the one sitting at Jesus' feet in that disciple position of learning. Yes. So maybe everybody who carries the name Mary is just somebody who is attentive. Um, I don't know. That could be a thing. Do you know what Keaton the name means? Do you know what it means? Yes. Is it ridiculous? <laughs> Perfect. A, t- a town of hawks. Do you feel hawkish? Do you feel like that represents you? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I don't even know what a town of hawks is. I'll have to dig a little deeper into why why that is. I mean, it sounds powerful. Yeah. Uh, Laura means lady of victory. Mm, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I'm an extensive trophy case (laughs) in my head. As you should. (laughs) Not in my house. (laughs) It's just in my head of all the tiny little trophies I've won uh, over the years. But I think there is something about, I don't know, I've never thought about this, but there's something about embodying a name, right? That's why Mm -hmm. it means so much to us. Yes, I agree. Um, So maybe it is not a coincidence that there's so many Marys. Mm -hmm. Maybe the thing that gets them recognized is their recognizing uh, in these, in these stories. Um, Jesus doesn't stick around with Mary, right? He does encourage her to let him go, uh, which I've always kind of found. He's got things to do. He's got to run. He's got to go then talk to the disciples. He's got to have that fish breakfast that we talked about in the first season. Oh, that feels um, like a long time ago. <laughs> it was. It was about a year ago that we that we started this. Um, so I thought we would end this episode with, as you know, once in a while, because we do have these stories where there's like poetic space you know, where we get a little bit of a hint of who people are. Um, part of this podcast is for us to like go into that space and, and think about it, right. you know, sit in it, rest in it. What do they eat for breakfast? <laughs> yeah. It gives us some, um, some room to move. So I have this piece every once in a while. I try to write these pieces where I try to imagine like, what would it be like to be in the moment with these folks? And so I'm going to finish just reading this piece. Uh, this has gone Christian viral a couple Easter's. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just like, uh, I have a friend, uh, Mandy Smith, who every once in a while will share this piece, especially around Easter. And she has like a ton of followers. So every time she shares it, cause she painted a painting to go with it. I do. I remember that really from beautiful. last Easter. And so a couple times it's gotten picked up on like, in like Christian circles on Easter. So it's my, my most viral. It's your Laura trophy. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the <laughs> tiny little trophies in my head is that I went sort of pseudo Christian viral once, but, um, I thought it would just be a good way for us to enter into Mary's story. So we'll finish with this. I'm here for it. Speaking up with Mary Magdalene. She knows before you do all the reasons she should stay quiet. 
No one will believe a woman who used to dance with demons. A woman who used to dance. A woman who used to. A woman. It's hardly a secret when they've been talking about you. All the whispers in the world sound a lot like shouting. How will they ever hear her over their idea of her? She's heard all the voices but her own. She knows from watching him how words can kill and death can take you by force a day at a time, a word at a time. They will likely say she sees things that aren't there, but he said, let go of what isn't yours to hold. And when you know before anyone else, the clothes that covered death are folded and in their place. When you know life is on the move and everyone might miss it. When you know, because the grave in you is now a temple, you clear your throat, find your voice, and tell anyone who will listen, love is on his feet again. <laughs>